Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So here was Saul, newly converted, now a follower of the way. And here he was in Damascus. And it's interesting when you come to the book of Acts there, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about how one of the first places he went to was the synagogue. Because remember, Saul was a Jew. He grew up in the synagogues. And and the first place he went to to tell others about Jesus would be the synagogue. And I can imagine the synagogues in Damascus had heard about this amazing Saul coming and and how he was going to set right those people who follow the way and follow this person called Jesus. And they were probably looking forward to, to Saul sorting things out. But instead, because of his amazing conversion, how Jesus just came and said, you are mine and you will follow me. What a change in his life. And the first place he wants to tell people about Jesus is the very place that are trying to wipe him out, the synagogues. And it says there in Acts chapter 9, verse 20, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He, Jesus, is the Son of God. And it says that all who heard him were amazed. I mean, literally, their minds were blowing. They're like, what? Is this not, it says there, the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Is this not the man who tortured and killed anybody who called on Jesus' name? And here he is telling us that Jesus is now the Messiah? And people were amazed. But Saul, it says, grew in strength and strength and more spiritual strength and more spiritual energy. And and Saul's a natural leader. And I think by a certain amount of time, he began to develop his own disciples and people following him. Because again, it says he went from strength to strength. And it says he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving from their very scripture, from the Old Testament, by proving to them That Jesus was the Christ. That Jesus was the Messiah. People were thinking, this is not the Saul I knew. Do you think the Sanhedrin council back in Jerusalem were happy when they heard eventually that Saul wasn't following what he said he was going to do? That he hadn't come down there and, and again totally wiped out the followers of the way? Do you think they were happy with that? They weren't happy with it at all. Now, it's interesting. It says there in Acts chapter 9, verse 23, it says, When many days had passed. Now, you think when you see the word when many days had passed, probably 30 days, maybe 15, 20, I don't know. 
But do you know that many days? It meant three years. Saul spent three years from when he was saved to Acts chapter 9 here. After many days, he spent three years in Damascus. But he didn't just stay in Damascus. All it says in Acts is, after many days, but if you go to Galatians 1 and 2 Corinthians 11, Saul went into Arabia. He went into the land and the region around Damascus, which at that time was controlled by a group called the Nabataeans. Now, the Nabataeans had a king whose name was King Eretus. And it says later on in the Bible that Saul was a tent maker. And I wonder if this is where it started. You know, he went off into essentially the Arabian desert, you know, maybe made himself a tent, you know, maybe thought to himself, hey, I did pretty good here. I think this could be a trade. I don't know. But he went off into the Arabian desert for three years. And there he communed with the Lord. And there, I think, God just downloaded into him. Because later on, he's going to write books like Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. These are great books and dealing with deep, deep theology. And I think during this period in Damascus, he learned and studied and learned from God directly. And hey, I just want to encourage you, it's important to study Scripture. I think it's sort of interesting that before he went into his full big-time ministry, Saul spent about three years studying Scripture. Of course, Jesus was his teacher. Maybe somebody from Damascus came and helped him sometimes, but I think overall he learned directly from the Lord. And I think there's something to be said about taking time and studying Scripture. How well do you know your Bible? How well do you know your theology? How well do you know what you believe? Well, while there, I think Saul couldn't help but preach. And yeah, he studied maybe in the evening, but during the day he got out and he told others about Jesus. Like I said, he immediately went into the synagogues in Damascus, and maybe he went back to Damascus for a little bit and preached in those synagogues again. Then he went back to to the Nabataean area and studied some more. And then he began to preach and he preached enough that he began to irritate this King Eretus and he didn't like it. And, and he went, this King of the Nabataeans went to the governor of Damascus as well as to the Sanhedrin, the Jews up in Jerusalem. And he says, hey, look, we got to do something about this Saul guy. He is converting too many of my people to this new religion. Come on, we've got to do something so they all agreed, we have got to find Saul, and we have got to kill him. That is what we've got to do. As it says there in Acts 9, verse 23, the Jews and the Nabataeans and the various people around Damascus plotted to kill Saul. So I can imagine Saul's preaching one of the people following him, or just one of his friends comes up and tells him, hey, there's wanted posters all over town, Saul. Your picture's on all of them. We've got to hide you. Now remember, there was this long street that went down the middle of the town, and at one end of the street was a gate, and at the other end of the street was a gate, and all around Damascus was this tall, huge wall. The only way in was through these gates at either end of this straight street. 
Well, if you were going to kill Saul, if you wanted to catch him, guess what? You would put spies all over town, but especially you would have spies and soldiers watching those gates because that's the only way in and that's the only way out. So I can imagine that they're sitting there watching for him, looking for him. You know, somebody comes through with a cart full of hay. You know, oh, I bet Saul's in there. And they take their sword and nope, nope. There's nothing there, you know, and maybe, okay. And they look at the person wondering. And later on, they send something else out with maybe all pigs inside. Oh, I bet he's hiding amongst these pigs. And they look, hop up, and they look in the cage. And nope, nope, I don't see anybody there. No, and they look for him. Saul probably hid under floorboards, under his bed, up in the attic. But he still got out enough to preach. Well, eventually, Saul said, you know what? I have got to get out of here, and I've got to get to Jerusalem. I've got to meet with the leaders of the church. And I can imagine the believers in Damascus are like, don't go. We love to hear from you. We love to understand. We, you're a great speaker. And Saul's like, I got to get up to Jerusalem. And they're like, how are you going to get out? The gates are guarded. There's no way you can get out. I can imagine one of the disciples said, hmm, here's a wild idea. My grandma, she's got an apartment in the wall. Now, you had to pay a lot of money for those, probably. And she's got a window that faces out from the wall. And so I love to go to that window and look out and look all the way down. And, and, and I can see all the way down to the ground. But, man, it's high. But what if we let Saul out through this window? And they're like, no, are you crazy? Well, we'll attach a rope to the basket. We'll put Saul in the basket and we'll lower him down. Are you kidding? These walls are high. And Saul's thinking, I don't know. I think I might be afraid of heights. This isn't good. And they pace back and forth and they try other things. Well, we can't try the hide the man in the hay trick. Nope, that won't work. We can't hide the man in the cage of pigs trick. Nope, that won't work. All right, let's try it. I guess so. So it's night. It's dark. Bring Saul out from his hiding place. And they look left and they look right. And they go across Straight Street and, the, and they go inside the door, you know. And they, they go up the steps up to the grandma's apartment. And then they do the secret knock, you know. You know, and, and then the other person raps back. Is that the secret knock? No, I think it's that. What's the secret? I don't know. Saul's like, just get in there. So they open the door and they shove Saul in. And they're like, all right. Here we go. And so they put Saul in a basket and then they maybe lift the basket up to the edge of the window. Saul's in the basket and then they, all right, you guys hang on to the roof and they gently push him. But Saul might have been eating well by then. I don't know. But the basket falls a little bit and everybody grabs the rope. Whoa. And they put their feet on the wall. Saul might have free falled for like two feet, three feet, might have felt like 50. I don't know. He's like, what are you, you doing? We got you, Saul. And then they slowly hand over hand begin to let him down the wall and then within feet of the ground Saul's like I'm getting out of here and he jumps out of the basket and and I can imagine Saul looks up he waves at his newfound friends in the Lord and they wave back at him 
We're going to miss you, Saul. Says somebody, shh. Maybe somebody had a horse there. Or maybe he just started to walk. But Saul left Damascus. People are out to get him. People are out to kill him. Now, he goes down to Jerusalem. But the problem is, is that, remember, because of the very persecution that Saul had started, many Christians had left Jerusalem. And it seems like only the head apostles were left in Jerusalem. And they were scared of Saul. Yeah, it'd been three years, and they'd heard he'd gotten saved. But remember, they didn't have social media. Saul couldn't post a, you know, a selfie on Instagram saying, "Hey, I'm now saved." Hashtag Jesus for life. Hashtag disciple. You know, they didn't have that back then, and maybe news leaked out. But how much of this is true? How much of this is a lie? They don't know. So it says later on in Galatians and 2 Corinthians, it talks about how none of the disciples would come and talk to him. None of them would come and talk to him. In fact, it also says there in Acts chapter 9 that he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. They were scared. Peter wouldn't meet with him. James wouldn't meet with him. John wouldn't meet with him. None of them. The only person that would meet with him was a disciple named Barnabas. Barnabas was the only one who came to Saul and wanted to actually check out, is this a person who's truly saved? He was the only one willing to give Saul a chance. And the cool thing about the name Barnabas is that Barnabas means son of encouragement. That wasn't his real name, but he was so encouraging. He was so much fun to be around that eventually people stopped calling him Steve or people stopped calling him Dave. And, you know, people have a nickname. You know, you might be Shorty, you might be Snotty, you might be Smelly, you might be Flash, Bubba. Well, this guy's the coolest nickname in the world. He's, hey, son of encouragement, come over here. You are so encouraging, come over here. And this man was so known to be encouraging that they just started calling him Barnabas. Wouldn't that be great if that was said of you? Man, you are so encouraging. I'm going to call you encourager. I'm going to call you Barney. Well, Barnabas, he wanted to encourage Saul, and so he put his life on the line. And it says there in verse 27 that Barnabas took him, and after talking to him, he brought him to the apostles, brought him maybe to their secret meeting place, brought him to where they were living and said, he's a follower of the way. He is truly a follower of Jesus. And it says there that Saul, when he finally met with them, began to tell them how Jesus had saved him on the road to Damascus. And he probably told them, I am so sorry for the shame and the grief that I brought you. But Jesus has dramatically changed my life. And it says in Acts that he met with them for 15 days. Well, the Sanhedrin heard Saul's back. Saul's back in Jerusalem. And Saul, guess what? He couldn't keep to himself and just hide. Nope. He had to get out. 
and he had to tell people about Jesus. And he had to warn people, hey, you're following another God. You're not following the true God, Jesus. And he had to go to some synagogues and show them how Jesus was the Messiah. He got out there. He couldn't keep this good news to himself. Well, the Sanhedrin heard it, and they began to persecute the Christians again. And, and they began to round up some Christians to try to find Saul. And, well... It got so bad that eventually they said, you know what? We have got to get Saul out of here. Because, you know, as much as we love him and as much as, as we're thankful to him, we've got to get him out of here before he gets killed. So it says there in Acts chapter 9 that they send him off to a place called Tarsus, which is north of Jerusalem. Well, eventually... Saul is joined by this friend, right? The son of encouragement called Barnabas. And they start to develop disciples up there in Tarsus. And they begin to minister in Antioch. And Antioch is a cool place because that is the first place where followers of Jesus are called Christians. They're called followers of Christ. Well, Barnabas is up there working Barnabas is up there and he's thinking, we're starting to see a revival here. I have got to get some help. Who can I get to help? Me? Hey, you know what? Tarsus is sort of near here. Saul's near here. And he's doing great things for Christ. So Barnabas went over and he got Saul and he brought him back. And he started to minister there to the disciples and to the church there in Antioch where they first became known as Christians. And the church began to grow and grow and grow. And well, Saul, the world knows him as the Apostle Paul. See, Saul was his Jewish name. But Paul was his Roman name. And Paul and Barnabas, they said, you know what? We need to have a ministry to the Gentiles. Yes, we need to see Jewish people saved. But in the book of Acts, what you see is the church started. People started getting saved out of the Jewish religion, right? They started following Jesus as Messiah. Well, then a lot of people in the early church thought, well, this, this salvation, this, this new religion is just for the Jewish people. But Paul or Saul comes along and says, God told me to go to the Gentiles. We've got to tell people in Spain and Italy. We've got to tell non-Jews and Greeks and everybody else about Jesus. And he kept pushing that agenda and he kept pushing that agenda to the point where people are like, you know what? We're not going to call you Saul anymore. We're going to call you by your Gentile Roman name. We're going to call you Paul. And so Paul and Barnabas, they went off on their first missionary journey and they began to plant churches along the way. And they came back and, and they told them how much they'd seen the Holy Spirit work. And how exciting it was to see Gentiles converted. And, and the early church there in Antioch was like, yes, we're sending out people from our church. We're seeing other people saved. We're seeing the gospel spread. This is exciting. Well, later on, Paul then goes on a second missionary journey with a guy named Silas. So Paul and Barnabas went out on one missionary journey. Then Paul and Silas go out on another missionary journey. 
And they wanted to go further out than they went before. And they went back and visited some of the churches they'd planted on the first missionary journey. And they tried to push out further. In fact, they wanted to go up into parts of Turkey, up there. But every time they tried, the Holy Spirit stopped them. I don't know. Maybe it was circumstances. They didn't have the money to do it. Maybe it was they couldn't get in that port. They couldn't get every time they tried to get some sort of, you know, camel train together. Maybe the camels got sick or maybe they just felt in their spirit. I can't this. I don't know if this is right. Well, one night. Paul was sleeping. And it says that he had a vision. A vision of a man from Macedonia asking Paul and Silas to come over there. Come join me. Please come into Macedonia. This is called the Macedonian call. And this is the first entrance of the gospel into Europe. It's the first time it basically left the Middle East. And it's in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. And this vision appears to Paul in the night. Maybe he was sleeping. Or maybe he was doing something and he saw this vision. We're not exactly certain. And again, it says a man of Macedonia was standing there urging them, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Basically, when you hear the word Macedonia, think Greece, all right? If I had a map, I'd show you where it is. But basically, they wanted to head up north into Turkey and up there. But this Macedonian call, this man urging them, come over to Greece, come over to Macedonia, please. This was a sign from the Lord saying, I don't want you to go up there. I want you to go here, Paul and Silas. Will you trust me? This is where I want you to preach the gospel. And so Paul and Silas say, all right. I can imagine Paul wakes up or, or comes out of the vision and says, we've got to go to Macedonia. we got to go to Greece. Maybe they're thinking to themselves, this is, this is new territory. This isn't the Middle East anymore. This isn't Arabia-type region. We're... We're going to this new area. Are we ready for this? We're going into Greece. Are we ready for this? Are we sure this is it? And Paul's like, I had this direct call from the Lord. Paul and Silas look at each other. All right, let's do it. Let's go. Well, if you want to find out what happens on their trip, join us next week. But I just want to encourage you. Study the Bible. Saul slash Paul had to take three years out of his life to study the scripture, to see it from Jesus's perspective. And then secondly, I just want to say we should be thankful for that Macedonian call because that was the first beachhead into Greece and into Europe and then from Europe into England and then from England into America and all over the place. What if Paul and Silas had not listened to that Macedonian call? What if they had said, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. We want to go up into Turkey. I got friends there. I can speak the language. And if God has put a call upon your heart, 
and you know it is from the Lord and it may not make sense, do not hesitate. If it's scriptural, if you have friends that confirm it, if it's within the bounds of the Bible, we probably want to have a vision today like Paul. But we do have promptings from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And if the Holy Spirit's asking you to do something, do it. Do it. Because you don't know the exciting adventure God has for you. But you're going to miss it unless you listen and obey. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.